reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each of them heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own language, native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyril, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and all your young men will see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Well, I want to wish the church a happy birthday. Today is Pentecost Sunday, the birth of the church. And if you notice, a lot of the celebration has been come Holy Spirit. And um, man, I'm excited today. We just finished our annual conference in our denomination, and we go by an appointment system which basically means Pastor Reuben and I are appointed here on a yearly basis. And sure enough, we're reappointed here as the pastor of the church, whether you like it or not. One of these days, the denomination will get it right. But anyway, as you know, we're in a process of restoration as a church, a process of recalibration. And if you notice, um, Brooke has not been on the worship team lately. It's because I chose, because Brooke is known as in our, in our staff as the brains. And uh, I'm just, it's all personality and just the ha-ha, but there's nothing up here. And so 
basically, I asked him if he could rewrite all the discipleship curriculum that we have without Pastor Al Johnson's and him working together. Because I really want to focus on restored in order to restore. And so hopefully when we relaunch our church with a new direction that we want to go about restoration in our community, restoration on our property, and restoration in our lives. And so we want the curriculum to reflect that. And so we've been using the same curriculum that we wrote years ago. So when you see him back on, that means he's done writing. Unless he writes real slow, then we have to wait for another two years. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to really get in your word. And we thank you, Lord, for the church. And we know, Lord, that sometimes the church is made of just human beings. And we're not perfect. And we know the church is not perfect. We thank you so much for you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hey, do you guys remember November 4th of 2008? Where were you? I do. I was very optimistic. I was very hopeful. I was very surprised because on November 8th of 2000, November 4th of 2008, it was President Obama and Michelle Obama came out on the, in Chicago. And I remember sitting watching TV and going, I cannot believe in my lifetime we have an African-American president. And I was thinking, this is the end of racism. This is where the country can unite together because this is crazy for me. And I remember there interviewing Martin Luther King Jr.'s kids and how Martin Luther King Jr. would be excited knowing that the first African-American president. His mantra was based on four letters, H-O-P-E. Remember that? And I was thinking, man, I'm at $320,000 in debt because the property value just took a big dump. And I was hopeful. I was excited. But sometimes that optimism just faded away, didn't it? Even during President Obama's uh, president, when he was a president, things began to fester. It's interesting that white racism, the idea of it, it just kind of didn't surface yet, but it was like right at the lid. And so when President Obama uh, served his terms, I realized last year the country is so divided that probably it's more divided than it ever was, probably till the Civil War. And so I'm going, what happened to us? Because not only that we're divided, we're angry. You notice the nation's very angry now. That all of a sudden we see viral videos of people just ticked off. And they know they're being videotaped. But they're going after Muslims. They're going after people that speak Spanish. They're going after people uh, that have school shootings and stuff like that. And I'm just going, oh my goodness. How in the world, what has happened to us? And here it's interesting because not only that we can demean people, we can degrade people as well. Follow me on the screen. We seem to have lost the ability to have a civilized conversation. We talk and often yell past each other. And the only ones who are really listening to us are the people who agree with us. And those whom we disagree, we simply dismiss and degrade as almost subhuman. Now, I can be just as bad, too. 
I won't tell you what I embrace, but sometimes I go, seriously? And then kind of degrade the person. And so this is interesting to me because when you read the Word of God, the Bible is so revealing about the human condition. And it's so revealing about God. And, and in the book of Genesis, when we get in the book of Genesis, it's written in the, in the original language as a poem. And it reveals something about God, and it reveals something about human condition. So I want to look at Genesis chapter 11, and it's known as the Tower of Babel. You remember that story? Where I used to, or Babel, whatever you want to call it. Or Babel. <laughs> All the people in the world united together. They were one to build this temple. Uh, to build this building, to build a tower to heaven, to make a name for themselves. And so follow me up back on the screen. The poetry is telling us that humans came together to build themselves up in a godlike status and to make a name for themselves so they would be scattered, uh, not be scattered and weak. This poem seems to be talking about the, pro the project of human civilization in which people conform to the group norm for the betterment of all. Genesis begins with God making people into God's image. But the poem has described how people are now making God in their own image. Ever done that? God is like me. What I like, God likes. And what I don't like, God doesn't like. So you all need to change. Because God is like me. Heavens forbid if he was like me. Could you imagine that? All personality and no substance. <laughs> and so... And so this is interesting because God realizes there's a danger here because it's called the what I call the human conformity project. Back on the screen. When people come together and make God over in their own image, then they can justify anything they decide to do, including the most evil things. So in this poem, God confused them so they began to speak different languages and could no longer work together in a unified way. It ends up with people scattering. And here's the thing. The story here just uses poetic language to reveal some incredible truth. As much as people try to come together to be godlike and to make a name for herself, it always ends up the same. Now follow me back on the screen. Because of our sinful human condition and the ego, we find ourselves divided, mistrust, and war against each other. We divide into our birds of feather what we call tribes. We insist on conformity to be the norms of the rules of the tribe in order to belong. But we make God over into the image of the tribe so that we can believe that he is on our side and against those who do not want to conform. Now, I grew up in Oregon. I was born in <laughs> Seaside. I don't know if you guys know where Oregon is, <laughs> north of California. Just want to sound semi-intelligent there. And so I was born in Seaside, Oregon. You know, the first time I've ever met an African-American was I was eight. Eight. Okay, that's how segregated this boy was. And it was a missionary from Africa that was speaking at our church. And so I grew up thinking Jesus was like me. And this is what Jesus looks like according to how I grew up, right? And so 
this is a Jesus I can connect to because he's like and he looks like me. Kind of. He's better looking in this picture, but you get what I'm talking about? And I wondered why other nationalities could not connect with this Jesus that I grew up with. But it's interesting because once you get more educated, for me, and, and if you go to anthropologists, they really did a study on what Jesus probably actually looked like. And it's not this. It's this. Follow me. Okay? And so when we look at this, you go, oh, man, I can't connect to a Jesus like that. I like the other one. Now, follow me here. Because when people come together, I'm sorry, um, on the screen, if you have to, if we have, if we have conformed God into our likeness, then we can easily agree that God is like us. And if God is like us, then God agrees with us. And if God agrees with us, that means he disagrees with people who are not like us. You see? And so this is where it gets deep for me, because the story of the Tower of Babel is just like a sort of a story like the United States. It was known as a melting pot. We are known as a melting pot with all nationalities, all languages, all different people. My parents were immigrants. They came over. My, my grandfather came on... I almost said the Mayflower, but it wasn't the Mayflower. <laughs> was the Queen Mary. My mother came over to the United States on the USS United States. My dad flew, and, and it was expensive. And so they became citizens here in Oregon. I remember when my mother became a U.S. citizen because she wore that flag like most people that become American citizens. But if you look at her dollar bill... It says on the dollar bill, you pluribus human, unum, which means, and I put it on the screen, out of many, one. This is what the United States is for. And so it, the idea was that we come together from all nations to become one strong nation under God, and we sing God bless America, but, but we've tried to make God into the image of the United States instead of allowing the United States to become the image of God. And so follow me on the screen. An American Tower of Babel is failing because it is built on the lie of white supremacy. When we do not want to confront and God will not be made over to be a white Christian evangelical man. It's not surprising then that suddenly we don't see, even seem to be speaking the same language anymore in our country. It is not surprising then that we can now no longer understand each other. It should be no surprise that we are segregating with people, with people we understand and demonizing those that we don't. Now, one of the things that we are, as a nation, we embrace tolerance, right? Well, that's one of my favorite museums called the Museum of Tolerance. But lately, we haven't embraced that, have we, tolerance? But let's take it to a deep level. How many of you have friends that you go out with and they say, why don't you join us? We can tolerate you. And you go, tolerate me? I don't need tolerated. And I'll put this on the screen. I don't think anyone just wants to be tolerated. We all want to be loved. 
right? Tolerated. That's a bad marriage, when you think about it, that we're just tolerating each other and not loving each other. And so this is where God has taken the standard really high. God made us to love. God made us to be loved. And now today we celebrate the Pentecost, Pentecost, the birth of the church, where God sent the Holy Spirit to fill the people, and the church was born. And we read the story this morning and, and, uh, on, the, on the first reading, but the story of Pentecost is a deep story. It's more of a story of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And that's one of my favorite songs of today, Come Holy Spirit. You guys were awesome. You want to do this permanently? I don't need Brooke. <laughs> you did an excellent job. <laughs> she goes, no, I don't want to work with you permanently. <laughs> so anyway, the story of the Pentecost is a parallel but opposite story of the Bible to the Tower of Babel. The story shows us that when the Holy Spirit is active in the world, diverse people who are scattered into their own tribes cannot communicate with one another, can suddenly hear and be heard. This opens up the possibilities of true love and unity in diversity. The Spirit moves us not just past tribalism, but also past conformity and tolerance to real love. This is what the church is called to do, is to truly love one another. Not just tolerate one another, but to love one another. So what's going on in the story of Pentecost? Well, this is the day of Pentecost, which basically was a Jewish religion holiday. And therefore, uh, therefore, there were people who followed the Jewish religion from all around the world and gathered in Jerusalem for this festival. And they shared something in common, but they had different languages. They spoke in different languages. But yet, when they gathered in the upper room, we understand there were suddenly sounds of rushing winds that filled the room and then tongues, tongues of fire that appeared over the people's heads. Now, if you look at this, fire and wind, two of the most destructive forms that we can imagine. And it's interesting because this symbolizes the cleanses, the cleansing and restorative is restorative of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's things in our lives and things in my life that the Lord needs to destroy in my life in order for me to love completely Jesus. There, you know, as a pastor, I have prejudice. As a pastor, sometimes I can go lean toward racism. It's usually towards my own race, but I can do it. And I constantly need to be cleansed from that. Because when that filters in my heart, then I, I step away from God because I've become self-righteous. And I learn to judge because judging is much easier than loving one another. And so the Holy Spirit comes in our lives to destroy the stuff that's preventing us to truly love in the way that God has called us to love. We don't need the Holy Spirit for tolerance. But we need the Holy Spirit to love one another, to care for one another. Now here's the next slide. Follow me on the screen. The impurities that must be destroyed are anything that prevents us from loving the way that God loves. But the next, another sign happens. Take a look. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. 
Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living on Jerusalem. And at the sound of the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who speak speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Now, this is interesting. If you come from the Pentecostal background, you understand about speaking in tongues, but I wanted to show you the importance about how they began to speak in different languages as well. And the people gathered in Jerusalem, these foreigners could hear and understand the good news about Jesus in their own culture, in their own language. This is what they embraced. And I think it's an important takeaway, and I put it on the screen. The Spirit brings clarity, and it brings understanding in all languages that we're clear we have our own culture and we have our own preferences a way of communicating but understand that when the birth of the church reached out to all of us in all different cultures in all different languages and so this is where we don't speak the same language even in the church but the holy spirit descends on us that we can be unified together serving one god I'm back on the screen. We need a fresh move of the Holy Spirit to give us the gift of tongues, not so that we can speak foreign languages, so that we can hear and understand each other in spite of our differences. You know God has given you two ears and one mouth? Not two mouths and one ear. Or some of us a big mouth and no ears. Right? <laughs> Use it in proportion. A lot of the healing in any kind of relationships, we just listen. Not pretend we're listening to make our next point, but really listen. You know, the older I get, the more I realize I don't know much. And you know that I'm more teachable now than I ever was in my life? Because when I first started the ministry, oh, man, I knew everything. I knew everything. I just need to depend on the Holy Spirit now. The world changes. Life changes. And so this is where when we understand, and let me do this. When Leo shared last Sunday, many of us don't understand what it's like to be homeless. Many of us don't understand what it's like to have parents on drugs. Many of us don't understand what it means to battle addictions for ourselves. We don't, we don't, we, I've never experienced or nor understand. I never had the life of Leo. But when he shared, our hearts came out, didn't it? We unified together because our hearts went out. And we loved, even if we didn't get it. Even if we didn't, our lives isn't that way. Do you remember the week before Rachel? 21-year-old uh, young girl was in a mental hospital over Thanksgiving for cutting herself. She came up and shared her heart. She did an excellent job. I don't, to this day, get cutting. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. But man, when she shared her story, I just bawled. And you did too. And you gave her a standing ovation for over a minute. Why? Because we connected with love. We didn't have to understand each other, why we do certain things, but there's a connection that God wants to take it to a whole nother level. Because the thing is, what God's telling us to do, and, 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 
and I've learned this throughout the years. I've got, if I want to be loved, I have to love, right? I can't say love me, I don't need to love you. But we walk like that. Love is receptacle. Came out wrong. Is that right? Hey, my own language. <laughs> I'm speaking in tongues. That's what I'm doing. Praise God. <laughs> so the language we had no clue or understand. But you have to understand this. I need an interpreter if I want to do it right. It's love. I'm not the perfect pastor. I'm far from it. But you, but you love me, and I love you guys. Back on the screen. When the Spirit helps us to speak in tongues, it brings us together. We realize that although we are all broken in different ways because of our different life circumstances, we are all seen as precious and loved by God. We stop judging based on outward appearance, and we start to see each other the way God sees us. And this new vision creates a bond and love and unity within the body of Christ and within this church. There's a need for the Pentecost to be in our nation, in our world today. And now, I hate to say this, and usually I go, why am I saying this? But the sad thing is the church in the United States is known of being divided, causing division within people. We are not known for our love. We are known what we're against. And we build these walls around people that cause division. And I don't think that's what the Holy Spirit's intended for the church to be. Follow me on the screen. Jesus said that it would be by our love that the world would know that we are his followers. He did not say it would be by our political or moral stands on issues. He didn't say it would be our doctrines. It would be the, the ability to hear and understand and to love even the people who are different from us. Now I want to end with some practical application here. But Martin Luther King Jr. said this, the most segregated part of the week, and, and I'm not saying for, for, verbatim, is Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. in the United States. And that's the segregation of the church. Now, this church is very diverse, which is very unusual. Yeah. I don't know how it happened, but it did. And... People have come to me and said, Kevin, how do you do it? And I go, I don't know what I did. I have no idea how it's diverse. But we're, that's one thing. And so Jesus said, I'm back on the screen, a church without a unifying movement of the Holy Spirit is an immature church. This is where it, it's interesting to me because the Apostle Paul talks about the unity of the church and how important it is. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by the craftiness and de deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must, get that, speaking the truth in love, 
We must grow up in every way into him who is ahead, who is ahead into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which is equipped as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in what? Love. Here's the thing, and I'm going to say it. The Bible is divisive. Because here's the problem. We interpret the Bible in different ways, don't we? We are a Protestant church. And you know, you've heard of the Protestant church. The word Protestant comes from protest. Which means that in the early years of the Catholic Church, the Protestant movement began out of protest. But then it kept going to protest. So then we have hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of denominations because of protest. This denomination began through protest with the Methodist Church in the 1800s because the Methodist Church at that time would not take a stand against slavery. So we protested. And this is one of the reasons we're called Free Methodists. And so you look at, at this, that basically, that when it comes to disagreements of how we interpret the Bible, and we say, look, and this is how we stop a conversation from loving, and I've heard this, well, I'm just standing on the side of the truth which is found in the Bible. And you're just going, wow, I'm feeling loved right now. And so, therefore, the, the split happens. Paul tell, is telling us, when we are open to the Spirit, what really matters and what is known is, follow me on the screen, the truth we are to speak in love is love. And when we're giving room for the Holy Spirit, we say and do only what brings understanding and unity and love. Even when we disagree on things, and everything else but what brings love and unity is secondary. Now, we were at our annual conference, and our bishop shared that we just ordained a group of women in Israel. And it just hit the fan. We are a denomination that believes in the empowerment of men and women. But I've had more people come up to me and say, what is with having a woman lead communion? What is with having women serve communion? And they will argue with me with scriptures. Well, we have scripture too. And there's one point that we were visiting a church and they did this sign language. And when the pastor began to speak, the woman that was doing sign language was removed so a man could do the sign language to the pastor. But they were loving people. And so sometimes this is where the secondary thing is love. You have to understand that most of the slave owners in the 1800s were churchgoers because they interpret scripture as slaves obey your masters. And so we have to be very careful on a lot of things here. This is why, why he says, Paul says, that people get tossed and fro and blown into every wind of doctrine by people's trickery, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. Paul is saying, let's stop it. Let's stop arguing about this. It's time for us to grow up 
and it's time for the church to be the church and to show love. We'll figure this out. And this is a mark of a mature spirit-filled church. This is why John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, said this, Though we cannot think alike, may we not love alike. May we not be of one heart, though we are not of one opinion. We are in desperate need as a country and as people for restoration and reconciliation. And we're not called to just to conform to our own tribe, but we're called to transform the world and to be there. All of us need to be loved. All of us. We can figure this out. Somebody, during a prayer time uh, Thursday, uh, Maria uh, Salazar, uh, actually it wasn't prayer time, it just ended up being a prayer time. We just finished the... Emotional, healthy spirituality. And she started sharing the story about Guy, which is Sam Anna and Brooks, Sam Anna's brother. He shared years ago here at the church. So she goes, there's one thing that I just remembered what he said was so powerful to me. And again, I, can't, I, can't, I cannot connect to his story. He was homeless, t- totally on drugs. He makes Leo look like Leave it to Beaver. I'm sorry, if you're over 50, you have no idea. <laughs> Under 50. But she said, there's one thing that he said that was so deep. Love more, judge less. And then I started thinking about it. When we love less, we judge more. Right? Right? Can we be a church that actually has a t-shirt that says, because we have t-shirts serving with love, but can we love more and judge less? Back on the screen, which story are we going to choose? Will we choose the Tower of Babel? Will we choose conformity to the norms of the little tribes and then seek to demonize those in other tribes? Or will we choose the story of Pentecost? Will we choose to allow God's Spirit to bring cleansing wind and fire on our prejudices? Will we allow the Spirit of God to help us speak in tongues so that we can hear and understand and love one another? Will we choose to make God over in our own image? Or will we allow God to make us like Christ, filled with love for each other?